the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in this series called Community. Pastor Sean has some great ideas on helping you build that community with purpose. This is Real Life Radio. Bibles wanted to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're talking about the community. I'm going to wrap up that series this morning. Remember, we looked at, from the book of Ephesians is where we started, and we looked at this idea of community. The word church is one that has so much baggage with it, a lot of people don't know what to do with it. They're, they're not sure, you know, some people, they hear the word church and they have positive memories. A lot of people, that's not the case. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he used the word in the Greek, ekklesia, and it, and it really means community. It's a community of people. That's what he was going to be building. And so we saw that in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul referred to three different metaphors. There are more, obviously, but we wanted to focus in on these three that teach us things about this community that we're a part of. The first is a body. The metaphor of a body. And we saw went over to 1 Corinthians 12 and saw that living without community is like living without a body and it just doesn't work. You can't experience all that God has for you outside of the body. It's not possible because he doesn't give any person all the gifts. He designed for us to encourage and work together with one another. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, vice versa. And we've seen that it's become kind of popular in Christian circles to say, oh, I I love Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need the church. I just said, if that's what you believe, you are deceived. That is an unbiblical idea. God says that's absolutely not true. And just because we say it doesn't make it true. It just means we're deceived. We looked last week at the the metaphor of a family because he talked about being part of God's household, this idea of family. A lot of people go, well, I I want the father. I just don't want the brothers and sisters. Because the brothers and sisters are paying the butt. Father's wonderful. He loves me. He saved me. But the brothers and sisters, they need things from me. They do things. Hey, folks, fact is, there is no church that doesn't have people. And there is no church that, that because of us all being people who wrestle with sin, that doesn't struggle with people failing, people missing it, people disappointing one another. But that doesn't change the fact that God said this family, as we press in, as we begin to treat each other like family, love each other, care for each other, that that's to be a blessing. We saw that the community is the earthly experience of God's family. And it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be a blessing. Now, in 1 Peter, we're introduced to the third metaphor. Okay? Beginning in chapter 2 at verse 4, we say, we read, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Note that phrase, into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, 
And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, and he's quoting here, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. This idea that the gospel isn't good news to everybody, this idea that we have a Savior who can set us free from our sin isn't good news if you don't think you need a Savior. If you don't think you're a sinner and your position is more, well, I'm, I'm better than like those, those guys over there or these ones over here. I don't need a Savior. And if that's your position, the gospel's actually a stumbling block. Doesn't make sense. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's writing to largely Gentile churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And in their world, they must have felt very far from Jerusalem where this whole thing came from, where people, even if they hadn't received, they believed in God. They believed, they'd heard of this Messiah. They had a common framework. Yeah, these churches had none of that. When they heard about a Messiah, that was news to them. They lived in an extremely godless environment, godless surroundings. The, the phrase, exiles and strangers, was quite appropriate. Peter, in his letters, addresses persecution that they were experiencing and would continue to. Suffering, abuse. He's teaching them to live as strangers in a hostile world. A world that didn't understand their faith and wasn't interested in it. I suggest that Peter has a lot to say to us. Because it's interesting, as we see our world more and more become hostile to the message of the gospel, I'm like, what is so offensive about the idea God loves you and God wants to give you abundant life, real life? He created you for something beautiful. And Jesus Christ gave his life to make that possible. What's so offensive? That's the gospel. That's the stumbling block part. And we in America, I, I want to say to you, the, the last hundred, the last 200 years where the, the Christianity had this favored position that's a blip on the screen when it comes to world history because most places that the gospel has been they didn't have favored status they weren't appreciated they weren't given nonprofit status they were persecuted and so i think as we see that kind of hostility begin to increase we recognize well i think peter's letters have something to say to us and in this let this passage we just read, he introduces the metaphor of a building. It's living stones, you're being built. And he says, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That, that phrase, a spiritual house to be, right? You just read that and all of a sudden you understand, well, of course, any building, the metaphor of a building implies purpose. The house is to be something. It's for a purpose. That's what the metaphor of a building really talks about. No one builds a building unless they have a purpose in mind. And of course, if you build something and it has no purpose or it doesn't suit the purpose, it's messed up. Like we have some pictures of some construction fails that are a great example of building without purpose. Like that second balcony is just beautiful. I love that balcony. It's my kind of balcony. Note the plumbing. Note where the plumbing is for the bathtub. That's somebody needed to read the blueprints. Okay. Willie Mayfield and I are never using those, all right? I just, I'm saying, uh, I've got my limits. Uh, the drawers, similar problem. That's nice. That's not very effective. 
Note the steps up to the garage. What's that for, a camel? You got a camel in that garage? Ah, the security of a gate. Just feel a little safer. You had one job. You see, it's, it's a construction fail right there. I like the steps on the handicap ramp. Isn't that thoughtful? Are you kidding me? And, of course, the escalator that built right up into the ceiling. That's nice. You have to duck when you go kind of through that last part. And look at that. I said go right, not left. Right, left. The stairs leading to a wall. Yeah, nobody wants to build something that doesn't have a purpose. Building in and of itself is intentional. And it speaks of purpose. We need a purpose. It's not enough just to be together. Although being together, as we've seen in the last two weeks, is critical. But that's not enough. We're together for a purpose. And this is one of those questions that can get uncomfortable in church circles. If you spend any time kind of around church, or you kind of are one who does analysis and asks questions, you'll kind of say, well, what's the purpose of the church? What's the point? Have you ever asked that question? What's the point? Is, our, is the point to have services? Like, okay, when we're done, if it's a good service, most people were happy. Nobody got really mad. We took enough in the offering to stay open yet another week. Is, have, have, are we a winner? Is that it? I think sometimes in church, if you're not careful, it can seem like the purpose is just, you know, we can kind of get on autopilot and go, well, the purpose is just to exist another week, right? Because as long as we're existing and doing services, then we're okay. Is that really all there is? Is that what this is about? To keep doing what we've always done? In the church, it's entirely possible to go for years and have that kind of perspective. I remember early in our history, we, we merged with a small church named Christ Redeemer Church. And when we first met with these folks, this was a great group of believers, and they understood community in a really cool way. In fact, that's the level that we connected on. I saw their community. It was beautiful. First thing, they, inv- they invited us over and just a small group of our leaders over to go with them at, at a gathering. I think it was a Wednesday night deal and just a, the small kind of house deal we had on our old property. Um, and they had a fish fry. They fried catfish. I'm not a big fish lover, okay? I'm like, oh, good, a fish fry. Yay. Rick Markintel ever offers to fry you catfish, just say yes. Because he's like a, a guru. I mean, that stuff was good. I mean, I embarrassed myself how much catfish I ate. But what was awesome was just the community and the connection. Neat pastor who uh, named David Trotter was the kind of gentleman who introduced me, and we, that's where this whole merge, he and I in our conversations, that's where the whole merge thing started. But as we came together, there were a couple of folks in the fellowship who had a, an idea. Now, this, remember, this church had been through some really tough history. They'd had a pastor with a big moral failure. It had devastated the church. It had dwindled down. They went through a period with no pastor where because of the wounds from leadership, they said, we're going to have only this plurality of elders and no leader in that regard, but only this group. And so it was, it had this, this fellowship had come through some tough stuff when it came to that. And there was an idea that a few folks held that it really didn't matter what we do, but just that we do it together. Because just being together is enough. And I remember when we got together and started walking together, I had to address that. I said, no, it's not. God always has us together. And his whole design is a purpose. We are part of that purpose. What we do together is essential. 
But together we're supposed to go do something. We're supposed to have a purpose. And that allowed us to begin to grow and begin to have an effectiveness in our mission that both fellowships had been praying for and had desired. Have you ever wondered what the point is when, in the context of church? Have you ever asked the question, if we were gone tomorrow, what difference would it make or would it make a difference? Nobody wants to be a part of something that is pointless. A Gallup poll revealed that people's two primary perceived needs were number one, meaningful relationships, and number two, a sense of purpose in life, doing something that matters. Hey, for the biblical church, that's fantastic news. Because that's what we're supposed to be about. In the last weeks, we've learned that true biblical community really meets that need for meaningful relationships when we do it well. But what about the sense of purpose? Because we all hunger for that. And we all find different kinds of ways to satisfy that hunger. Whether it be family. Some people devote everything into their family and that's my sense of purpose. Work. I work and I have a sense of purpose in my work. Maybe business. Expanding and growing my business. Charitable involvements, charitable giving, those are ways to find purpose. But the difference in what Peter's talking about here is is where, where he starts out as the beginning of it all when it comes to this building. And that's the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. The cornerstone was the stone that everything would center off of. It would determine where the rest of the building went. Jesus as the cornerstone. Everything had to be aligned with the cornerstone. Everything has to be aligned with Jesus. Not just a purpose, but the purpose. And that's really important. See, we as elders don't get to say, you know what, we're going to go a different purpose for this church. No, no, this is His church. And it has to be aligned with His purpose. His life, our life. And we want to take a quick break to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Community. If you'd like to hear the full unedited message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you think you'd like to come and visit River City, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to this message on community. This is Real Life Radio. Two clues on purpose that are held in this passage. When he says a holy priesthood, you've got to stop and ask, hey, priest, what's the per- what does a priest do? priest helps people find God, helps people come to God. That's what a priest does. And then he talked about how we are to be this building that declares the praises of him who called up. And and important question is declares to whom? To whom is this declaration made? Just to one another? Or is there someone else that we're to look to? Let's go back to one of our core passages that we've looked at each week, Ephesians chapter 2. Remember, 
I'm going to begin at verse 19, but just before that, Paul had made reference to the idea of a body, that metaphor. But in, in verse 19 in Ephesians 2, Paul says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. There's that family idea. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's so powerful. He's not just saying the the church universal. He's saying, no, no, you too, specifically, you believers in Ephesus, you guys are being built. You guys in San Antonio, you're being built by the work of God's spirit to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He speaks of purpose, and again, he talks about Jesus as his cornerstone. This building begins and ends with Jesus. And so, when we want to understand our purpose, we ask, what was Jesus' purpose? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it also talks about structure. A building always has structure. There's the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What was their purpose? What were they about? We're part of something that started a long time ago. We don't just get to make it up on our own. What was the purpose of the apostles and the prophets? What were they trying to do? And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. But that, the whole metaphor of a building speaks of structure. And in Ephesians 4, a few chapters later, verse 11, 12, Paul talks about that structure a little bit. And I want us to look at that. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He himself gave. And what did he give? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You know what those are? Those are leaders. He gave leaders to make sure the body is moving together. There's structure. And that's one of those things that's so significant. The body has to have some sense of structure and unity. That's where some people, that's where the rub is. Like, I'm, I'm fine with the Father. I can even, okay, loving some brothers and sisters. That's a cool. But I don't, I don't need leaders. I don't want a leader. I don't want any leaders in my life. Well, the Word says that's one of the things that Jesus gave. And the design of leaders is to keep us moving in the purpose that God intended. And I'll say right now, I know some leaders in the body of Christ, and of course, all other areas of life, have mishandled their leadership. And I'll say it to you again. If that has happened to you, I am sorry. Leaders shouldn't have used their leadership to advance their own interest over yours. They shouldn't have used their leadership for ungodly purposes or to hurt people. But sometimes sinful people do. And so I'm sorry if that's happened to you, but be careful not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't miss that God intends for this because here's the problem. Isaiah 53 says one of the problems. Remember Isaiah 53 is talking about about the Messiah who would be crucified and give his life for us. And the reason it says is all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. That not that the essence of sin? God says, no, no, I've got a path for you. It's a path of blessing. It's a path of life. I've got a destiny for you. Follow me and I will give you life, says the Lord. And we say, I don't want to follow you. I want to do my own thing. All we like sheep have gone astray. That's the core, the essence of the sin nature. God, I don't need you. I don't care if you're the designer, the creator. I'll do it my own way. And so that's the design of leaders in the body to keep us walking the same direction. In Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 8, he talks about leaders. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Very important thing. Look at their life. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Skip down to verse 17 more about leaders. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Remember that, leaders. There will be a day when we give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Leadership is a part of God's plan. It's part of this structure of this building to keep us on task. Because the community is not just a place to hang out. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. So important. The community is God's building designed for His eternal purpose. Community is God's building designed for His eternal purpose. That's why I said a while ago, we don't get to just say, oh, this church, well, we're going to be about this instead of God's purpose. No, no. The community is God's building. He's doing something. It's His, and it's for His purpose. We don't get to just make it up as we go along. Because we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ Himself as the cornerstone. And so that's how this building is to be designed. It's God's, and it's designed for His eternal purpose. I want to real quickly look at three biblical purposes for the community. And whether that be the Christian community at large, this community called River City, or the community groups where the real one another ministry happens, where the real stuff happens that we've been talking about so much. First thing, first purpose, the community is built for a mission. The community is built for a mission. Matthew sixteen eighteen. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. First time the word church occurs in Scripture. It's that reference to the community that I shared with you, ecclesia. And it's interesting. Jesus says, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Overcome it? That, that seems like there's some sort of conflict. There absolutely is. This mission of ours is more like a combat mission battle than it is like a kind of a business mission statement because we are in in a war for souls we are in a war for souls we are contending over people because apart from god people are lost outside of the life he created them for and destined for an eternity separated from him we are contending for people's souls. Listen to how Jesus said it when he had a chance to declare his own ministry Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 He's asked to share, to read the scripture in the temple, and he takes the book of Isaiah, the scroll from the book of Isaiah, and he quotes. And it was a well-known passage about Messiah, and at the end he says, today that passage has been fulfilled. In other words, he says, that's my mission. And here's what he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus' mission, so that's our mission. Contending for souls, and this is how it happens. Proclaim good news to the poor. That's not just the materially poor, although it includes those people. But it's to the poor. Remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Anyone who recognizes that apart from God, I'm lost. Anyone who's lived long enough to have feel the pain of their sin. And says, I need a Savior. This is good news. Preach good news to the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And if you're not poor in spirit, then this isn't really good news. Good news, there's a Savior. I don't need to be saved. I'm good. I got it. I got it covered. But for those who have the wisdom to have a poverty of spirit and understand their need, this is good news. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You ever felt imprisoned by anything? 
Maybe it's habits, patterns, addictions in your life, thought life, pornography, financial things, issues that just that you just can't seem to get free from. You feel like a prisoner. Jesus says, here's the message, release for the prisoners. I want to set you free. Recovery of sight for the blind, not just the physically blind, but those who just are lost and can't seem to find their way. To set the oppressed free. Have you ever felt oppressed or burdened or weighed down? He says, you're going to be set free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the message we get to share. We get to go out and declare the message. Good news. Father's not angry. Come home. Father's not angry. Come home. He made a way. Yeah, well, but I'm a horrible sinner. God didn't want any part of me. No, you're totally wrong. You're right. You are a horrible sinner. But God loves you and made a way on the cross of Jesus Christ. And good news, we're all horrible sinners. You'll be in great company. We are all people who have been forgiven and set free by the cross of Jesus Christ and by the power of His Spirit in us. That's the gospel. And we get to share that. We get to share that with people. Yeah, go ahead. That's the Lord's Word. That's our mission. Plain and simple. Paul said it in... in, Corinthians, the second letter of the Corinthians, he said he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Come home. See, that's we, we talk about focusing on people who aren't here yet. Because it's not enough that we're in the room. That, that's not enough. The fact that we're here isn't enough. And it's like, we can get, if, we're, if all we focus on is the fact that we're here, we can get, become very self-focused. People who aren't here yet matter to God. God so loved the world. Our mission is very simply more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. And it's very important, it's more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Community. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're always invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times, including the Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.